up, mamas? It's Tanika Ray. I was a television host for 20 years before my entire life blew up when I had a baby. Shifting gears from red carpets to a gig called Mom required a whole new game plan. The carefree, globe-trotting boss babe me was suddenly in search of a mommy tribe to help me navigate the inevitable fumbles and fails of raising a kid. Mama Stay with Tanika Ray is a sanctuary for the mommy collective, where we amplify our self-love and self-care, trade tips on raising conscious kids, help each other fine-tune our boundaries, and celebrate the highs while forgiving ourselves for the lows in the wild, 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 wild world of mommying AF. Hi, my friends. Welcome to Mama Stay with Tanika Ray. The day that I'm recording this is the last day of Black History Month 2023, and hasn't it been a doozy. Now, as with all things, we must continue to grow because stagnancy forms and creates sort of mold and stink. So we got to keep moving forward. And so what I decided this year in order to stay sort of allegiant to my own self-care was that I was going to pull back to producing two pods a month. That felt really, really good at the top of 2023 because of all the other things that my life is pulling me into. I have projects on the outside as well as we all know mamas and dads. The whole job of mommying is ramping up a little bit now that my daughter is eight and a half and she has her own dreams and aspirations and basically she needs a driver. So we pulled back to twice a month, but I've been really, really happy with that. This month, to celebrate Black History Month, we had my friend, Simone Shepard, who has been this digital warrior. She's out there. She knows how to turn her passions into followers. She's been in these digital streets. She really came into America's or the world's purview when she was on Vine. Yes, she was one of those Vine sort of explorers. And then she was really, really awesome to talk to because she's she's Gen Z. She became really famous in the digital era and social media is her playground. And she and her husband met through posting Vine videos and, and having fun in this new frontier of digital content. Yep, two influencers married and had a little influencer baby. She was really fun to talk about, about where we're going as far as our culture and mommying in the digital stratosphere. Then we finished the month celebrating Black love. I invited Alimi and his beautiful wife, Dawn, to sit down and have a really honest conversation about how to keep love alive and what are the boundaries of love and how to protect your family at all costs in these crazy times that we're living in. They were so amazing to talk to. All the aha moments that even I got of, oh, that's love. Yeah. There's so much grace and acceptance and a willingness to shift and open and expand the heart when love is truly present. So Thank you, Alami and Don, for sharing your Black love with us. You guys can check them out on Owns Black Love. They sat down on that couch as well. And they are just people that I can always lean on for hashtag relationship goals. This week, we are really excited to start Women's Month by bringing on a mama who I believe 
really represents all the ways we are trying to shift these days. She really represents the intersection of all the wellness that we are all striving for. A, she is sitting in her soft season. B, she got that passport refreshed and she bounced. She left this country with her little girl in tow and she went to go seek a better future. That I'm noticing is very attractive to a lot of people. We're all questioning, what is that like to leave this place that oppresses us so much? What are the options? Is it possible that my beautiful melanated child could have a better life someplace else? A life of freedom. Who knows? We're going to talk to her about that. C, she's attempting to perfect or master international co-parenting. Girl, that is, that's next level. So her child's father lives in America and she lives in Colombia. And they are effectively teaching their child from two different countries and being a part of her life. And this brings us to D. She's homeschooling because she knows the power of pouring into her child of allowing her child to have curiosity and discover the world without a filter. So all the ways that I find myself feeling resistance, I'm in awe that she has stepped all the way into it. And not only that, she happens to be the founder of Black Mom's blog, a very popular blog with over half a million community members. Now that's a woman that knows how to create space. And in 2019, she racked that up a bit and launched the Self-Care Retreats, an international retreat destination to help women learn to release, relax, and unwind. Or as the great Whitley Gilbert said, (laughs) relax, relate, and release, honey. And if that wasn't enough, she's also the best-selling author of, Oh, sis, you're pregnant. It is the ultimate guide to Black pregnancy and motherhood. So congratulations to her in all the ways that she's pouring into our community. She is definitely a sage. We honor you in our space. There's definitely a collab in our future. I'm just saying. So without further ado, please welcome to the mic, Shanisha Boswell. Got it. Yep. Very, very nice to see you. (laughs) And yes, we've been trying to connect for a long time. But like I said, Mama Stay has nothing but grace. A. Mama Heart teaches you that. Everything is in divine timing, girl. Everything happens when it's supposed to. Yes. (laughs) Exactly. Where in the world are you? I'm in Colombia. I moved to Medellin. (laughs) <laughs> so I have I have been here since last August and I did some traveling to South Africa in December. I went to Hawaii. I came back to Atlanta. So we just got back here last Tuesday. Okay, so, we've got to dive into that because I wish I could like turn my camera around and show you outside. It's beautiful here. Oh my gosh. Of course, you know, the cost of living is probably right where it needs to be. It's it's where it should be, like for the world. I don't understand what America is doing right now. So, yeah, no plans of going back. <laughs> if I can help it, I am so impressed with sisters, especially who are like, I'm getting my passport and mm-hmm. I'm out this bitch. Listen, 
I started traveling a few years ago. I started traveling in college and then I got pregnant. And you know how mamahood happens to always like to say it can put a pause on it, but it doesn't have to quit it. And everybody thinks that mamahood quits things. And so I dedicated the first six years to my daughter fully. I was like, we're here. We're not going anywhere. And I was like, as soon as she turns six years old, we're out. And my daughter has been to multiple countries. We have lived a lot of time out of the States. She's traveled with me a lot. And it has just been this really wonderful self-exploration and journey, like all wrapped into one. So, yeah, it's been beautiful. I so wish you lived here because I threw Mama Stay's first annual mini retreat on the beach for mamas. Let me tell you, because for me, I want to make it accessible. Yes, it's great to go to a retreat with you, a retreat with Thai Beauchamp, go to Thailand, go to Colombia. But sis, we need to care for ourselves every day. Every day and sometimes at home. And I say that you don't, self-care is not just, traveling that's a big step that's a big step self-care is literally like getting yourself a snicker and locking yourself in the closet self-care is getting your taxes and your your credit together okay because you can't self-care if you're self-struggling self-care does require moisturization most of the time (laughs) and that's okay but find out what it is that you need and do it sis all the time have you looked at the world out there the world requires you to keep that muscle flex So I met you the first time on a platform that we loved that I think is now dead called Clubhouse. It was so dead. Rest in peace, Clubhouse. It was a short-lived fanatic. And then we moved on. What happened? Because, it, you know, I was so jazzed because I could see the potential of what it could do. And I was there every, we were there every day. I was up in some rooms. I'm like, what is happening? But at Four least five in the morning, yes, girl. we were sleeping on Clubhouse. But what we got out of it was a global perspective from individuals, not narratives, not agenda. If somebody was stupid, it was their opinion. And it didn't mean it, they were stupid. Everybody has their, it's all relative. And I love that because, you know, I'm an Aquarius. I want to talk it out. Let's break it down, right? And it was something so beautiful. And you'd already carved out this single mom sort of sanctuary. I'm like, well, how do I not know her? How does she not know? Me? I feel like all single moms must know each other. That That's mandatory. And so I love that you were like, you guarded yourself, you protected your peace and you bounced. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that relationship is a whole different conversation that I'm not going to share on here, but the lessons we have learned, right? The lessons we have learned, how far they've taken us. And you grow with every single one. And so you have to look at relationships, whether they survived or they haven't. This was something I needed in that season. And there's something to learn from it. And I'm not going to date that person again, or I'm going to find someone that I can date again like that because I messed it up. Oh, well, the things that we have to admit to, right? We have to own it too. The single moms that I know from these social medias, they're extraordinary. Look at you. You're beat. What are you talking about? <laughs> you look like you're on the cover of Essence circa like, oh, you know. Manifest it, sis. Let's have that happen. Please break it down for people. I love how you made a distinction between being in your 20s and ac- accepting shenanigans to the older you get, you start going, oh, I those, see red, why those red flags are like magenta. They are glowing. They are 
nighttime highlights. They are all the things. They are um, slapping you in the face. Pay attention. You realize that you, I think when you do start to get to a certain age, right? And you start to mature because it's not really an age thing. A woman can go through this at 21 to 24. Absolutely. You start to realize that every single relationship, every interaction that you involve yourself with another person leaves an imprint on you, whether it's big or small. And you start to become very protective of those imprints and what it does to your mind. You can talk to someone or be in a courting phase with someone for two weeks, and it's something that can affect you for the next six months. So you start to guard your heart. You start to guard your mind, your spirit. You start to notice the signs early and quick. And I think for myself, I had to really do inventory of my past relationships. I've had great relationships. They haven't always worked out, but they've been great. And one thing that that man was in those relationships were he was the, the pursuer. He came after me. I couldn't get away from him. And Girl. so like floating around online and it was like, if the man wants you, he's going to come get you. And you have a lot of women now that are getting involved with these men who are like, yeah, let's hang out when you want. When are you, you know, they're not really coming after them. They're not pursuing them, but it's also very feminine energy. And I think that internet in general is a very feminine energy. And so when you see men who are like really up on that and they're really, you know, all into the social media and how you date for social media standards from a man's point of view, I'm from the country. I don't want you anyway. <laughs> I like I like my man direct, upfront, straight to the point. What are we doing? How is this going to go? And so those are lessons that I had to learn when I saw those red flags and men who weren't being consistent with conversation, who weren't showing up the way that they should. Whereas I might've been in the past, like, okay, let me give him some grace. I had to stand up and say, I've built my grace. I want someone who's built the same level of grace and respect for me and themselves to be upfront and honest and mature about what they want out of life. I can't play with that. Girl, we don't have the time. We don't have the, we have children. We don't have the time to be playing those games because you have a daughter, right? I have a daughter. She's 10 years old. And I have a daughter. She's eight and a half. So we're in a very specific little group where they want to be on cell phones. We're like guarding them as much as we can. First of all, break down the demographics for me. You guys moved to Colombia, Medellin, which is supposed to be fabulous, darling. But break down the environment for you. Does she see other Black children that look like her or is she sort of isolated? I mean, you as a grown woman, we know how to navigate those spaces, but how is it, how is it rubbing off on your daughter? So I always like to say I'm a traveler, not a, not a tourist. I've learned a lot of lessons in traveling. And one of the things that I did before I moved here, I came in here and made by myself. I was here for a month and a half. I connected. There's a huge women's group here, black women's group of expats. Some of them are moms. Some of them are single. Some of them are married. And I connected with the moms there and started to like pre-build community for myself and for my daughter before we even moved here. And so Colombia is kind of interesting because what most people don't know is that this country has a very similar slave history as America over four, almost 400 years or so. And so when you go down to the coast, which a lot of us like to go to Cartagena and be on the beach, you see a lot of Afro-Colombians there that look just like us. If you went there and didn't speak, they wouldn't know you from the locals, right? And so we're there. All the Black people are there. You come up to Medellin, it's a lot more peaceful. It's in the mountains. You see Afro-Colombians, but not as much as you see them on the coast. But me and all my Blackness, I found my people. I found my Black moms. My daughter has friends here. But it wasn't just 
important for me to find my people. I wanted to also immerse myself in the culture and connect with Colombians, right? Local Colombians. So we have Colombian friends. She has friends of, of parents that are Colombian. And it's important, and this is probably a little sidebar, but Black people, when they're not well-traveled, and sometimes when they are, they go to different countries and they act like white people. They don't want to learn the language. They don't want to assimilate. They want to be waited on hand and foot. They're rude. And so you can't move to a country and not get to know the people, not learn the culture, not respect the customs. So we combine all of that right here. But when if you haven't been educated and you haven't searched beyond the narrative of your community, then you're going right. to be you're going to be lost a little bit. You're going to be a little lost. It yeah. Takes- yeah. And I just encourage, I mean, part of what we do here on this pod is we just want to give people a different perspective. So you are well-educated, you are well-traveled, you are an every woman, black girlfriend. Why can't we learn from each other? We used to be, we used to come from communities where they learned in community, where they literally pour, and that's what we did at my event. It was really important for us to have women pour into the sacred space. We used to do that all the time. Now, where is it? Oh, well, this has gotten really clickish, right? There's a yes. click for the luxury black girl. Yes. There's a click for the yoga girl. There's a click for the spiritual girl. And I, I say this all the time. There's a lot to learn from the hoe and the housewife and everything. In- <laughs> so don't ever look at another woman like you're better than her or she's less than you or whatever the case, because every woman, no matter where their walk is in life, has something to teach you about your femininity and your womanhood. It doesn't just look one way. It doesn't smell one way. It doesn't feel one way. It doesn't taste one way. I am a woman. None of the other stuff matters. I'm a woman. They are women. There's a lot to learn. So there's also a level of grace because just like you were just saying earlier with women, everybody doesn't come from the same background. So you have to know, we talk about code switching for white people. We got to know how to code switch for ourselves sometimes, right? You got to know who you're talking to, how they're going to relate to what you're saying. And every woman is not going to feel the preachy. Every woman's not going to feel the vent. You got to know how to talk to your sisters. And, and the other side of that is, oh, that's a really good point too. The other side of that is there is somebody for everybody. I think even in speaking in my retreats, I get so many different types of women. There was, we did a retreat in Jamaica like two years ago or a year ago, maybe two years ago. And this was like when that whole like femininity coaching got really big on the internet. It was everywhere. And it was telling black women that they had to be a certain kind of soft in order to be considered feminine. They had to have long hair. I literally was on a live once where a woman was like, feminine women don't have dreadlocks. They don't do these different kinds of things. And so, we were being basically like nurtured to be this one way as a feminine woman. And there was a sister on my retreat. She was tattooed from top to bottom. I mean, from here to her legs, her feet, everything. And she was so soft and so beautiful. And I remember just looking at her in admiration and I had to go up to her and tell her, I'm staring at you because I just think you're so beautiful and so soft. And at the time she was the exact opposite of what the internet was telling us that a feminine woman should be. I want people to get offline and go find people they like in real life, right? You can't carve a person to be a certain way. You can't carve yourself to be a certain way because you can present your representative for a short amount of time. And that short time for some people might be five years. Let's say you 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 fake it, you get married, you're in the relationship, you're doing it, you've had a child. 
five years later, that true self of who you are is going to erupt. And you're going to be looking back like, why did I fake this for so long? So I always tell women, like, it doesn't matter what you do or what you say or how you act. If that person is for you, you have to be true to yourself. Do not be afraid that I'm too loud. I am too um, opinionated. I'm too whatever. Because the one that's for you, it's going to love that about you. It's going to love it. A hundred thousand percent. So how is dating in Colombia? I have not had time, sis. (laughs) I haven't had time. And that was something, there's so many things I've realized being here, even coming back again this past Tuesday after coming the first time. So I'm not going to lie to you. I came here in August and I was like, well, this is going to be easy. I'm going to meet me a man. He's going to think I'm amazing. I'm going to be married in like three days. right? I'm a beautiful black woman. This is what's happening. But I ended up in a space where I'm not beauty standard. And that's just fact. Beauty standard are white Colombian women with long hair, very curvy bodies and all these things. And so I really went through almost like this very intense loss of self-confidence in myself. And I was entertaining things I shouldn't have entertained and kind of those red flags we were talking about before. So I left in December. I traveled to South Africa. I came back to Atlanta, which we know is so black. And I was reminded of my worth. And sometimes we need to be reminded of who we are, especially when we're in environments that doesn't celebrate us, even the workforce. You got black women who are sitting in boardrooms in offices where people are asking her every other day why her hair looked different, right? And so when that is constantly being thrown at you, you have to, like my friend said to me, she said, you have to take a trip around the world to come back to Colombia and remember your worth. And so I came back this time around and I feel much more settled and grounded in my ability to show up because I can't date here or anywhere else if I don't have myself together. And baby, it was all over the place. I was having a just nervous breakdowns, anxiety out the wazoo. I went out on a date with this guy and I promise you, I had a whole anxiety attack on the date. And I had to tell him, I said, I'm just out of my element. I don't, I don't speak the language. And so I always try to be transparent with that because yes, I'm here and I'm loving it, but it's still work to expect yourself outside of your original country where you know everything. And dealing with that plus what do I look like? How am I being seen? Yeah, because when you say you're an expat and you move to a foreign country with the language you don't know, I automatically go to all the work necessary. I automatically go, oh, how am I going to get comfortable with the language? And how am I going to communicate? And how am I not going to get taken advantage of because I don't speak the language, right? And how am I going to feel accepted? But I, I got to say, you're not necessarily the beauty standard in America either. Neither am I, but it works, right? There's always those people that know the truth. It always works. And I have connected with some really amazing people here. I had to change my mindset. Yes. I literally changed my mindset because men are attracted, men and women, we're attracted to confidence. Yes. To a person that is showing up from the inside out. And so because I wasn't feeling my most confident self, those first six months here, I was like, oh my God, what is happening? And I came back and I feel better. I feel brighter. I feel my light shining through for myself. And I'm having a completely different experience because I have my own peace and I feel myself. I feel myself. We have to remember who we are. It's so easy to get lost. It is. It's so easy. We hear, we, we always try to like, find the validation from outside to reaffirm what we already know. And then when we don't get it, we, we get, we get confused. 
We get confused. You got to stick with what you know. It doesn't matter what anybody out there thinks. It really, truly doesn't. And when you shaved your hair, (laughs) what was that like? I'm sure people lost their minds. Just I got to sleep back now because I want to cut it off again. I'm trying to grow it back out. And I am struggling, right? I'm struggling with this this TWA that I have going on. So I, I shaved my head last February. The year before that, I combed out my locks. I had locks for almost 11 years. I was known for my hair. Like my hair was one of my staples. And I knew that when I started my locks at 21, that I was giving myself 10 years and then I would comb them out or cut them off and be done with them. And so I did that. And I went through all the black girl fun hair stages. I did the wigs, the weaves, the braids, everything. And one thing about Atlanta, we have 900 million salons and hairstylists and about two good ones. I went through some horrible experiences with stylists. I spent so much money trying to get it right. And the last one that I went to, I did this like whole sewing situation. She burnt the top of my hair. Like my leave out was crispy. I would wash my hair and it was long straight. So I was told that it was damaged and I could cut it little by little until it started to grow out. And I was just like, let's shave it off. So I shaved it. And honestly, it was one of the most liberating experiences that I've ever had in my life. I felt so seen and so beautiful and so confident with my hair short. And then I'm like, grow it back out. So I'm trying to do that. And I'm thinking about cutting it back off again. Come on. Here's the thing of that's ridiculous about us. And we can all admit it. We are on this seesaw of when is my hair going to grow? And then when it grows, all we want to do, look at me, is chop it off. Chop it off. That's it. I'm like, when am I? I've been chopped. This is, I have layers because I've been chopping up my own hair. And I don't know when I'm going to stop. It was like down to here pandemic. I was like, now I feel like cousin it. It's not cute. But you know what I mean? We all have our own stuff. Yes, my hair grows, but I don't feel like I have style. I don't feel pretty. I don't. I feel clunky and chunky and we all got our things. And so I love that you did that because I've done the big chop before (sighs) back in 19, no, 2000, 2000. And my boyfriend at the time, he took some construction paper scissors, chopped my hair off. (sighs) No style, but it was the most liberating, most beautiful experience I'd ever been through. I don't know why I felt so, yes, I cried, but it was like this release. Our hair is such a huge part of our journey. Our hair has been dictated around us for so long. Our hair, our hair, our hair. I can't go swimming. I can't go play in the rain. I can't be free. I can't do all these things. How does this man feel about my hair? Is it feminine to wear braids? Can I wear it out? In the workplace, I'm a corporate woman. Do I need to wear it straight? Can I wear it curly? Can I come in here with my afro? Our hair has been dictated for us for so long. So now that we're in this space to find freedom around our own beauty and what that means for us, whether it's long, short, shaved, lock, afroed out, it is an exploration. And it doesn't mean that a woman is even going through something detrimental. When I cut my hair, I thought I was beautiful. I was beautiful. And I had so many people that are like, are you okay? Is everything okay? She's like, are you going through something? Why would you cut off your locks? Why would you do it? And I'm like, I wanted something different for myself. So I, I love that we are at a place culturally where we're free, where you can shave your head and do whatever you want, where I can wash and go, where somebody <laughs> else can be locked. You know, I, I'm so happy that we're here in history. Now let's keep going. Let's keep defining our own beauty for ourselves, right? And in teaching and in doing this for you, you're obviously teaching your daughter. Yes. 
What have been her struggles and challenges and how are you helping her navigate it? The definition of parenting is watching your children grow up with the things that you instill in them. And my daughter reminds me constantly that I've done a good job. She she loves her hair. She loves her Afro. She loves it curly, which is like her hair out. And so now we're actually in the stage where we're exploring braids. What I did learn during the pandy is how to braid my baby's hair, girl. (laughs) I'm a good two-strand twister platter all day, but you're talking about the black girl braiding. I lost that card a long time ago and never tried to get it back. (laughs) I don't know if I'm doing it the black girl way, but there are braids in her hair and they're cute. So (laughs) it's going to be, it's going to be what it is, but it's, I'm the same. I have a daughter who loves her hair out big, reaching for the sun and she loves her hair in braids. She loves her hair. She loves, we have done something right, sis, that we have. And my daughter has very different hair than I do. So I had to learn new hair and, and, and teach her to love her hair, even though it's like, why is it mine? Not like yours. That's not what it's about. And my daughter loves herself. So we get to pat ourselves on the back because that in itself is a feat. I love that. I love that. Yes. Mama, pat yourself. Do it right now. Pat yourself on the back. Pat yourself. And so I talk to her a lot about feeling energy. I'm like, learning how to read energy is one of the most powerful tools you'll have in your life. And if we can start that at like seven, eight, nine, your experience as an adult is going to be majorly different than those around you. And especially from even what I may have experienced myself growing up. Read the room. Read the room, girl. And I'm that mama. I'll be like, my daughter come to me and it's all love here. But I'm like, read the room. What does this feel like? And I always ask her, what does this feel like to you in this moment? What does this feel like? Does it feel like mommy wants to? Does it feel like mommy can? What, is, what do you feel? Tap into that intuition. That's your first brain. And read the room before you ask, before you decide, before you talk about it. And go from there. Girl, we are there right now. Mommy, wait, is it something you can figure out for yourself? (laughs) Look around, observe. What are we doing? And we're like at a drive-thru. What does it look like we're doing right now? I'm that mom. When I tell you I'm that mama, I will will hit the question with the question and another question. And so the point is made. (laughs) Is it more exhausting for you to ask me? Good. Figure it out. You can look around. That's real parenting. And I love that we're in the stage of talking about like, what does real parenting look like? Yes. And it's so much easier to hit a child. It's so much easier to shush a child. It's so much yep. easier to put them in a the corner and not deal with them. It's so much it's, easier to throw them an iPad and let them go play. It's so much easier to parent in that way. It's hard to explain, to question, to find the common ground. Okay. Because if your daughter comes to you and says anything, right? You could give her the answer. It's over in five seconds. Yeah. But to sit there and reason with her and help her learn to to do like some real critical thinking. And I think in the world in general, we just lack critical thinking. We're very emotional in our thinking. If you can teach your child emotional intelligence, I wrote an article about this for the New York Times, one of my favorite articles about teaching children emotional intelligence and communication. You are saving them from so much in the world. You're saving them. Emotional intelligence will take you far. And so that form of parenting is something that is not really about being a gentle parent and allowing them space to cry for hours on end or allowing them to have tantrums and rages. It's about teaching them how to critically think, give them time to process their feelings, emotions. I tell my daughter, hey, you need a moment. 
Go in your room, sit in that, cry, do whatever you need to do. When you're ready, come back out. We're still going to talk about it. We're still going to discuss it. I mean, that's the part that's the most exhausting for me as a mom is those conversations. Because the one thing that they have a thousand of is follow-up questions. (laughs) And you're like, day 12, are we still? I got to a point with my daughter where I was just like, God did it. God said, like, she has literally asked me questions to where the only last answer I have is the creation of time. I have nothing else to give. I'm done. I I mean, I've said it. I'm like, I'm done. I'm 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 done. done. And then sometimes saying, hey, I don't know. Let's ask Google. I'm a big believer in telling your kids, you don't have all the answers. What did Kanye say? You don't got all the answers. I don't have all the answers. So let's, let's learn how to use this thing called Google and look up the hard things that we don't know so that we can figure them out together. And when I'm not around, go to Google. I was so proud of her. She was doing that. And then I was like, why she got to find a way to cheat that too? What did she do? Started doing the microphone. Google, what is, I'm like, come on, you can't even write that. Y'all okay. got things so easy. We were in a dictionary looking up letters. I and, and I struggled with that too, because I was that mom that was like, no technology. And then we got her phone at seven. Ooh, Just, that's too, but we, let me tell you why. Let me tell you why. You gotta, you gotta defend that because that's making me and 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 no judgment. I just oh, need yeah. to know, sis. So, why okay. seven? I was engaged to someone, and at the not time, her was, father, right? Her father, her father, okay. and my ex. Now looking back, there was a lot of things going on in there, but he had a real issue with the fact that her father and I we don't have back co-parenting. We were friends. And he would call my phone to return. And it was just, you know, they talked a lot and it was this big back and forth. And so we yeah. ended up getting her phone so that as her parents, we could communicate with her on our own. And so at the time, that's all the phone was for. Like yeah. it was like an iPhone. It didn't have service. She had to be connected to Wi-Fi. Mm-hmm. And the only two numbers in there was her father and, I, and her grandparents. Right. That's fair. And so that's what we had it for. But but as time progressed, now we're at 10 the phone became so toxic <laughs> and the amount of time she would spend on it because of course she discovered the Roblox and all the things. And I found out that Roblox has chat rooms and it was just all these levels of uncomfortability Girl. that I felt with it and the phone broke. And I don't know if it was God saving grace, but the phone just died one day. And her father was like, you know, I feel like I should buy her another phone. And I'm like, how about no? How about if you need to reach her, she can download Zoom on her computer and y'all can Zoom chat. You can take the phone. She can use my phone. But in that, I've noticed so much more productivity in her. I've noticed a will for her to want to play games and read books and to be more interactive with what's around her. So I just, and with the internet, we work on the internet. When I tell you if I can help it, she will never be on social media. (laughs) She will be 18 and a half years old out of my house completely before I willingly just let her get online. But I do want to add, this is not easy for the average parent. We homeschool, right? Not being influenced by the friends at school, what's trendy, what's popular. Like I teach her. She learns from me, her father, and her grandparents for the most part. Now, break this down. Okay, there's so many things to say from that. (laughs) First of all, is her father in Columbia too? No, he's in Atlanta. So, so how far is that flight? How long about is that flight? 
six, seven hours. Apart. Oh, it's far. It's far. It's like going across America. Okay. Okay. But because of modern technology, they're connected via email and text. They can FaceTime all the time. And he teaches her things. You teach her things. The truth yeah. of the matter is, if you're in America, even if you go to the fanciest school, you still got to supplement. That is the fact. That is the truth we all need to embrace. Stop trying to wish it was different. Stop complaining that it's not different. That's the way it is. It's free because the government wants to give you what they want to give you. It's free because they're teaching and raising your children. Schooling and parenting is such a tender conversation because this is a place where even me and what I do for my work and talking to mothers not blaming them because you can't help it, right? Like with the way that economy is set up now, especially in the United States, it literally does everything in its power to tear your family apart. You have to work 12-hour days. Your kids are in school eight hours, plus some of them go to after-school programs. So Monday through Friday, most parents are seeing their children from 7 p.m. until 9 p.m. And then that's on pure running exhaustion. So then you have Saturday and Sunday, which once again, you're resting from the exhaustion. So everything that your child is being taught is in the school system. And it's really hard for especially a single black mom, right? What, 51, 52 percent of black moms are single doing it on their own. And then we'll throw in two or three extra kids. We got one. We got one. I say thank you all the time that it's only one. But then again, maybe I would have had two less complicated children. My daughter is a lot of things. She is wise and spiritual and sassy and smart and she's a light and it's just all these things and emotional. It's all these things you have to manage in little girls that's just unparalleled, I think, especially in in 2023 to have an eight and a half year old who's like, but I'm amazing, mom. How come they don't see it? And I was like, well, you know, welcome to the world. I love that she said that. I'm amazing. How come they don't see it? The fact that she knows that she's not the problem speaks volumes. But it's only because I've been 1000% intentional from day one to show her her worth, to have those hard conversations when she's one of three friends. You know, those threesomes are tricky. And kids two, are mean. They're so mean. Oh my God, kids are mean. <laughs> they are so mean. And then they'll, at one point, those other two are going to leave you out. And so we've had really honest conversations since day one. So my daughter's like, okay, so they're being mean to me again. I go, so what are you going to do? She goes, I'm just going to go eat with somebody else. Exactly. Like to give them tools to deal with things when they feel like they're othered or they feel like unloved or not liked. Because it's not about if that's going to happen to our children. It's about when. When. And I think that's been my whole stance with homeschooling. Like we've homeschooled on and off since she was eligible to go to school. She spent about two years in the actual public school system and everything else we've kind of done on our own. And so now we're in this space where she's kind of like requesting to go to school next year. And it's interesting because we're in a different country. So I'm having to look up private bilingual um, schools for her to go to. And I'm like, you sure you want to do this? Are you ready for this? And she's like, yeah, I want to make friends. But my whole my whole philosophy behind homeschooling in the beginning was this is my little human, my little tiny person that I birthed. I'm not ready. I haven't built her foundation strong enough yet to send her out into the world. I know that I can't protect her from the world. But when she goes out and she's on her own 
it is my hope that we've instilled enough in her, her father and I have instilled enough in her to where she has that type of confidence. Like I know who I am. I'm not going to be easily persuaded to do something I don't want to do. And I know the principles and morals that I stand on. That's what I hope will happen when we send her to school. Oh, I have no doubt. And I think you should be a little bit more confident about that. If you are teaching her with the same ideology that you are teaching the moms that you bring to your retreats, then I'm sure she's a lot stronger than you even know, right? They kind of like they kind of like hiding some of their power because they want us to baby them. They don't want to they don't want to be too capable. My eight and a half year old, she she wants to climb on me like she is uh, six months old. I'm like, child, if you don't stop trying to break my back. Thanks for hanging out, Mama. I know how little time we have in our day to honor ourselves, and I'm just thrilled to be a part of it. Make sure you click like, rate, and subscribe. I'd love to hear what you think about today's show and what you want to hear going forward. Remember, mommying is a gift, and you're doing a kick-ass job. So, woosah, and mama stay. Mama stay.